Welcome one, welcome all to the M60 Podcast. I am your host, John Waltz, recording in the cold, rainy, dead of night in Franklin, Tennessee, in the first week of December in what year, in a year that uh, many of us would like to forget, but unfortunately we'll remember for many, many years to come in the year of 2020. Joining me this episode, um, Scott, you've got one over on Mike. Um, Mike was the first guest, but you are the only three-time guest on the podcast. Go me. So, Hashtag go me. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Joining me uh, via Zoom here, also located in Franklin, Tennessee, is my uh, friend, swing coach, mentor, all-around good guy, Mr. Scott Hasse, Director of Player Development at Franklin Bridge Golf Club and author of the Champions Playbook, Thinking Your Way to Lower Scores. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. If you have a golfer in your life and they are looking to shoot better scores and have better course strategy, that is the book for you. So check it out on Amazon. Check out his podcast on Apple Podcasts. He is uh, the Champions Playbook podcast, and he is currently making funny faces while he is uh, downing some water and eating a very large potato here in front of me on zoom i might actually save the video on this and upload it to youtube just you know just so i have <laughs> some way to embarrass you but uh, hey i'm done finished are you all right nice. was it a baked potato was it like what, no. what did you have anything on uh, it i mean a couple of a couple of baked potatoes um were a little low on uh inventory and food so it was uh butter cheese gotcha That's uh salt pepper so nothing too fancy there but you can pack on you know 750 calories pretty quick doing that 800 calories so. yeah yeah i know that's why my doctor doesn't want me to uh to eat those too often <laughs> that's why they're not on my meal plan so um, it's funny our meal plans are like polar opposite of each other i know i know it's yeah yeah we'll have to we'll have to do a different uh podcast on that someday i'd love to get you and and my uh my, my dietitian uh dylan valenzuela from episode three uh, i'd love to get you two on a on a zoom call and get you talking about some of that stuff. I feel like you guys would have a pretty good conversation. We might do that after the new year. Cause fitness is going to be top of mind for everyone. Yeah. And, uh, um, Start but, now. Why are you yeah. waiting? Don't wait till new year. Start now. Well, you know, I got, I got to see. And, and Dylan, if you do listen to this, congratulations again, he just got married a couple days ago. So um, he's going to be hard to pin down here and being that he works in a doctor's Hi. office um, he's dealing with all the, um, the COVID uh, shenanigans. So, um, but Scott, the, we, uh, we had talked about, um, uh, this, this time of the year, I mean, this year, especially, but then you throw in, uh, some of the other extra, um, stuff that goes on this time of year that that's hard mm -hmm. on, on people. That's kind of what the topic of this episode is about. Kind of taking a little bit of a step back from the overall men's issues, uh, in 2020, we're just going to kind of have a, long form conversation, uh, about, about mental health and what the effects, 
how it can affect you, you know, what elements of the holiday season kind of egg that on a little bit. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, our own journey through, uh, through the mental health world. I know uh, you had, um, you've been, you've dealt with a few things. You kind of mentioned that in uh, episode nine on your first appearance on the podcast. Uh, Mm -hmm. I haven't really delved into it too much uh, personally on this podcast. So, so so if you haven't known me for a while, uh, I'll be talking about a few things that I've dealt with in my past that, um, you know, you, you may not necessarily know about. So, um, you know, one of, one of the things that, um, we were talking about before we started recording was that um, kind of the stress and anxiety and the holiday blues that, that uh, is brought on this time of year. And uh, I guess one of the things that, that I want to want to talk about and bring that up, bring up with that is that those, those are very legitimate stressors and Mm -hmm. they are, especially if you're, if you have dealt with anxiety and depression in the past, a lot of the, we were talking about it before we started recording that the way a person who doesn't necessarily deal with uh, mental health issues all year, the, the kind of the funk that you can get in, in the, in the wintertime and even in around the holiday season, that's something that, um, that we have dealt with throughout the course of the year, um, yeah. throughout the, the whole year. And I feel like too, with, uh, the holidays, it, it, it can be, it can be brought on, um, a little bit, a little bit easier. And I'll, I'll lead off by telling, um, telling this story. Um, it Do was it. around, it was, it was around Christmas last year. I don't think it was, I want to say it was the second week in December. It wasn't, it was like a, two weeks before Christmas, maybe it was before COVID. So, you know, people were still able to, to get out and about. And I was, um, one of the things that I do on the side for right now is, uh, I do Uber Eats deliveries and, um, I can remember this particular weekend, um, what I would usually do on Saturdays before I started golfing a lot more uh, this year is I would do, you know, kind of split shifts with, with Uber Eats. I would deliver during the lunch rush from 11 AM to one kind of take a break and then go back out at five and go from like five to eight thirty, five to nine. Um, and this particular weekend, um, one of my really good friends, he works uh, at a company that I really, really want to to work at someday. And they have a huge Christmas party every year. Um, and the the staff gets it's pretty well publicized that their staff gets pretty good sized Christmas bonus. Um, they get uh, last year they were, the if if you were on staff, your uh, you and your and your significant other, your uh, your husband or wife, um, you were put up for the weekend at the uh, Opryland Hotel and Resort here in Nashville, which is um, especially yeah, no, it, it it's not, and um, the uh, and 
if you if you do get an opportunity to to go up to to Opryland um, when they have it decked out for the holidays, it, it is such a it, it's a beautiful site. I I've had the opportunity to go through there a few once or twice when when they've had it all decorated for the Christmas season, and it, it is it is beautiful. Um, but you know my my friend and his wife, they're you know, and a couple other people I knew at the company, they were posting pictures on their Instagram feed about, you know, what a great time they were having. Um, you know, and I was trying to put that out of, out of my mind, kind of not necessarily play it off, but just kind of acknowledge that, yeah, you know, I can't really partake in that right now. Um, and I can remember driving around downtown Nashville that night and downtown Nashville under normal circumstances is, is a pretty hopping place no matter what night of the week, but this was like the Saturday, couple Saturdays before Christmas. So everybody was having their company Christmas party that night. I felt like, so, I mean, there's people just walking around downtown, just, dressed to the nines i mean you know single a single guy at, at that point in time you know i'm looking at all these young women walking around in in these and and they weren't you know they weren't provocative attire or anything but they're you know they're in these beautiful dresses and you know people are getting picked up here and there and luxury cars and limos and they're just having you know the mm -hmm. time of their lives and i'm just driving around in my little chevy malibu bringing food to all over the place and i just can remember can just remember getting back to my apartment and i messaged a friend of mine and I just said, told her what, what I was, was seeing and all of the, the joy that was on everyone else's face. And I was just like, I'm, I'm just tired of being left out in the cold. Yeah. And, you know, I, I it, it just, it just kind of hit me a little harder that night and you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I just would just kind of felt, and now I, I didn't have a particularly bad Christmas that year. I got a chance to spend a couple of weeks with my family out in Kansas and, and New Year's. I got a chance to, to go to Dallas and go to the, the, uh, the Bridgestone winter classic, the, the hockey game that they have outdoor every year. And then the, Nashville Predators were playing in it that year so I had an opportunity to, to go to that with a good friend of mine but I can just remember that night just just feeling just feeling isolated feeling alone just feeling like like I had been forgotten about yeah and I think like I think you're hitting on like, and you being emotional with it too, is like, I think you're hitting on what people actually feel 
during the holidays a lot of times you know it's like um, I mean going all the way down to kids in middle school and high school and sometimes even younger than that and adults you know you have um, you know, some people just don't have a lot of family and so like the holidays are like wow everybody else is getting together and I'm not and somebody who's dealing with depression anxiety or stress like the fact that you feel that like you remember that moment so vividly even in the midst of having other moments, you know, that were really positive, like you mentioned, like those moments just get amplified um, more than somebody who would normally just go, Oh, you know, I kind of feel alone. I just feel kind of sad. And it's like, you're getting a small, tiny taste of what depression uh, does. Like depression takes that and puts it, you know, it's like taking a little uh, bonfire out back in your in your yard, and next thing you know, the whole neighborhood's ablaze. Like, wait, well, hold on. Like, that's that's depression. It's just like not just pouring gasoline on the fire, but it's like taking the fire and spreading it everywhere inside of your being and every interaction you're in, and it's hypersensitive to it. Yeah. Um, and, and I, then I think, anxiety is when you think you have that fire out, you turn around and it's you haven't done anything to it. Yeah, it's, it seems to be even bigger. And it's right. You always feel behind. It's like I can never get ahead of this thing. I can never put it out. Um, and, uh, you know, irony that we're kind of talking about it, I'm actually conversing with this with a student of mine um, as we started this podcast via Instagram. And, you know, just feeling super isolated and alone and how many nights, you know, they just struggle um, kind of crying themselves to sleep and they have restless nights. And um, I'm trying to get this person some help, <laughs> some professional help, but they don't want to seek it. Um, well, you know, for, for who knows what reason it's like, I used to be the guy who used to be afraid of um, getting professional help. It's like, uh, from a Christian standpoint, you know, it's just like read your Bible more, or pray more, or, you know, when I tell you I can't, I can't. Like, people don't understand. What do you mean you can't move? No, I physically can't move. Um, and you're just kind of paralyzed with this fear, this anxiety or this stress. And it's like, no matter what I do right now, my anxiety goes way up. If I go and take care of this thing, then this fire gets bigger right you know yeah. and <clears throat> and so you just don't move and you just kind of freeze in that all the emotions flood um and just hard to it's hard to get out yeah. um yeah and it's really easy to be alone this time of year um and you can be with people and feel alone i think that's just being just because you're with people doesn't mean that you're having a good time. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was on that particular line, particular night, you know, I was surrounded by literally hundreds of thousands of people in, in the midst of, you know, the city of Nashville delivering food all over the place and mm -hmm. interacting with people all the time. But most of that was just windshield time. And, and so, you know, what you're just, you know, you, you, you do, you do feel like sometimes you're, you're left out in the cold. Um, yeah. 
I kind of want to backtrack here just, just a little bit. Um, you and I have, um, we've both been in, in the past diagnosed with, uh, with depression. Uh, I've been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. Um, I'll read a quick definition of, of generalized anxiety disorder. It's, it's not something that people commonly know, know about it, but, um, Generalized anxiety disorder, or GAD, uh, is characterized by a persistent and excessive worry about a number of different things. People with GAD may anticipate disaster and may be overly concerned about money, health, family, work, or other issues. Individuals with GAD find it difficult to control their worry. So, and I, I actually... John, you just need more Jesus, man. Come on. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. you need to read your bible more uh right yeah well <laughs> that's what, I, I mean that's the kind of thing i was told growing up yeah you know that i mean that's that's part of it but you can't you can't it's ignore the it's not all of it no you you can't ignore that you know there there are situations and i i used to have to take medication for it i used to have to take uh lorazepam and, and clonopin and uh, for for anxiety um you know, I, I told you a story um, a few weekends ago where I was traveling through a specific area that I, I knew it was going to trigger something. So before I got there, I threw uh, a clonopin in and, and luckily it kind of helped me, you know, get, get through that, that specific geographic area. But, um, you know, the thing, the thing that, that people don't realize about depression too and, and anxiety too is that you, sometimes you're just so desperate for it to go away that you'll do you'll do anything, and that's mm-hmm. kind of where the uh, it's kind of where self harm and suicide that's kind of where where that comes in. I. Some people remember. go to destructive relationships and mm-hmm. alcohol and drugs and food, work, food. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a gazillion different ways to medicate. Yeah, yeah. I I just I remember you know about six and a half years ago I think when when Robin Williams um, committed suicide and and people were just dumbfounded and and. I was like, no, I, I know pretty close to what was going through his mind. He was just, yeah, he had all these accomplishments in his life and in his career, but at the same time, he was probably in a very, very deep episode of dealing with, with his depression and he just couldn't figure out a way to make it go away and to make it stop. And that's, and that that's probably why he ultimately took his life and the it, it's like it's like you know something's wrong but you can't put a band-aid on it you can't tape a joint for it you can't you, you just you can't do anything physically to fix it, it and it's and it just keeps needling at you and keeps gnawing at you and you can only 
you can only keep your defenses up for so long. You can only do healthy kinds of medicating for so long. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes sleep is a, a respite from that. Some, I, I say sometimes, cause you know, sometimes I've had pretty graphic nightmares as a result of my anxiety and depression. So, you know, I, I um, so I'll, I'll kind of throw this one back over, over to you. Um, you know, what, what are some other things about dealing with dealing with this type of an issue that maybe others that others don't realize that? Um... Yeah. So, um, you know, it's interesting. There's um, been multiple times in my life. Um, I can think particularly over like the last year, my time being here in Franklin bridge, um, people are like, man, they're just so happy. It's so great. They're so happy all the time. I just love being around them. They're so happy. I was like, <laughs> you aren't reading. You clearly aren't seeing what I'm seeing. Um, I see somebody who's very, very depressed and needs somebody to come in and rescue them. Um, and they're completely oblivious to the reality of like people with depression and anxiety and high levels of stress are very, very strong individuals by and large because they find a way to um, hide it from everybody else and make everybody else feel good. Um, in some ways, it's like a very, very tiny medication, but it's more like a drop in a bucket than it is, you know, actually filling the bucket up. Um, in many ways, depending on the context and scene that you're in, if you have depression or anxiety, you tend to absorb the others around you. It's kind of like a black hole. Like mm -hmm. yeah. you tend to absorb the pain from those around you. Um, and, and to, and to give people context, um, we, I was, we were actually shooting this Sherlock exposed episode, which I think, uh, which accidentally we had a glitch in the recording at the end and we lost the recording unfortunately those who were there got to hear it but um well and i don't think that was by accident either i, I think no. there were some other sinister <laughs> forces at play there but um, yeah we'll probably we'll talk a little bit about that more when we talk about coping but um yeah continue yeah um but uh i was in the 99.2 percentile for depression like there's a lot of people that don't survive that um, 99.2 percentile and going to counseling and going and getting help, which I mentioned on my first podcast, like, what do you, you know, what do you advise a you know, a young person to do, go, go to counseling. Yeah. Like, yeah, just, just do it. Um, and uh, he's like, Scott, you're incredibly strong for you to survive this long. And, what depression does is it essentially takes like a healthy individual under deep sadness and despair. And we could call it, um, call it situational depression. Like mm -hmm. you can be very depressed about a certain situation in your life. You lost your job, um, you know, have an incredibly maybe bad time with your spouse for a week or two and you guys just are in a bad spot. Like you can have situational depression. 
Um, but with situational depression, you see all these ways out. Right. With yeah. real depression, what happens is the doors start slowly closing. And, you know, it starts with little quiet thoughts of like, I wonder what would happen if I just drove my truck off this bridge. Yeah. yeah. Ah, whatever. That would be, that's a stupid thing to do. Like it starts with just this one little thought and the doors close yeah. and close and close and close. Um, well, and I, I have had that same thought. I, I know you had told, you told me that story and you kind of told us that story at Sherlock exposed. And I can remember very vividly one day when I was um, working for uh, an irrigation supplier, when I was living in Murfreesboro, I had a 18 foot uh, Isuzu truck loaded down with, oh, I, I don't, can't even remember how much pipe I had in there. I, I had one of, one of our bigger customers uh, had placed an order, probably about $15,000 worth of material um, and so our, my truck was just loaded down. I can remember, uh, driving over, I was going to go over, over an overpass over a river on, on 840. I can't remember where it was, but I just, I, I had that same thought. Like I bet if I swerved off the road and tried to drive this truck into that river, I wouldn't survive. Yeah. And then, and then you move on. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah. it's, it's just fleeting passing thought, which a normal person without that doesn't doesn't have and i've been doing that off and on for well over a year and didn't even realize that that was a bad thing like i just kind of bawled my eyes out for a minute and i was fine or so i thought right yeah uh, uh hindsight's 2020 there um but uh you know i have a lot of people to be thankful for um and a lot of just situations to be thankful for um that i didn't end up where we're not having this conversation. Right. Yeah. You know, um, well, and it's, and, that, it, it, it's the inner voice too, about de- depression too, is that it's your own inner voice sometimes that, that turns on you and you would think that yourself mm-hmm. would be your biggest advocate, but quite often in situations like, like what we've had to cope with, um, that's not the truth. Yeah. Well, I've seen some posts recently, over the last week or two, you know, I like to post a lot of motivational stuff um, when I come across it that may be helpful to people and share from other accounts. A lot of stuff I'm seeing, it's like, you are your best friend. You are, and like, there's some truth in that. Um, but there's this like, only, you can only count on yourself to get up out of your hole and your mess. And I'm like, if somebody with depression is reading that, it only, and anxiety, it only adds to it and this feeling of guilt and um, you know, you feel guilty for doing the bare minimum at work and you feel guilty for which adds to the stress and the anxiety and the depression. Right. Yeah. So you just, it's this cyclical thing. And unless you get help and seek help, like it's, it's virtually impossible to get out on your own. Um, I remember admiring a guy like, um, John Nash, uh, who came up with Nash Equilibrium and is the main character. It's about him in the movie of beautiful mind, mm-hmm. um, where he deals with schizophrenia. He didn't see people by the way, for those that are, have seen that movie, he didn't actually see people, but he heard voices. It's kind of hard to portray hearing voices 
effectively right. in a movie and they did a wonderful job portraying it and like things got really bad when he wasn't on his medication it's like well why wouldn't you take your medication sometimes you just forget like yeah, yeah. it's like you forget to brush your teeth or you forget to grab your wallet on the way out the door or your keys and like once you're gone and you're out for your day in some cases you can't come back um yeah i've and, run into situations where i just couldn't i couldn't afford it for another couple of weeks and right you know I, I just was like i just had to tell myself well it's time to use these coping skills that my therapist says that i have and <laughs> they say you have yeah and <laughs> and you know laughing, well yeah. yeah yeah i mean that's just my that's my sense of humor um yeah and you know to to their credit uh, to my therapist's credit at the time, um, I went probably another five, six years before I ever had to take any medicine, medicine for, um, for depression again. I mean, it was, you know, it, it took a little, it took a little coping, but, you know, finally working on having worked on those coping skills in, in tandem with, uh, the medication mm-hmm. that that made me stronger to to get through that um yeah well you know, and the thing i always like attached to and i don't like looking back i can see why i attached to it but back in college is when i watched that movie you know being an econ major and studying game theory a lot obviously he was somebody you kind of look up to but he got off the medication and was able to figure out which voices were real and which ones were not. And I was like, oh, I can just figure it out. I can just, I can just overcome my own things. And just like, you know, a God hasn't designed us to be alone. Um, right. You know, right. Uh, right. I think about, um, you know, I know I'm trying to do too much scripture stuff. Cause I know you have people who aren't Christians listening to it, but um, I believe the stuff's true. And, um, believe it's helpful and good. Well, for this us. is in the Christianity category in Apple podcast. So feel, oh, cool. you know, feel so, free hey, to, great. yeah. Awesome. Um, but you know, one of the scriptures that like, I remember all the way back from high school is, uh, I can't remember the specific verse, but the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He doesn't mm-hmm. attack the middle of the pack. He finds a weak one, gets them isolated. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like that's how lions hunt. They don't just, they, they're sneaky. They kind of creep in and it's, we're just going to add a little stress here. We're going to add a little stress there. And we're going to add a little abuse over here. And we're going to, we're going to add some failure over here. And we're, you just, these little things and they just add up and add up and add up and add up. You're right. Um, yeah. You know, the the blatant obvious sins are are the easy ones to avoid <laughs> it's the he loves getting people isolated and so um i think that's the having gone through depression and still working through it um you know currently still on medication for it and I'm not ashamed to say if i have to be there the rest of my life i'm fine with that it's fine um is what it is you know just like some people deal with uh autism or they have you know some sort of genetic disease or whatever that they just will have their entire life Um, right yeah or somebody who is uh born to 
alcoholic mother and will never be able to have a drink. Like they'll deal with that their entire life, you know? So, um, but just, I, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to really get at is the holiday season to kind of pull it back to that for somebody with those deals um, and without a healthy family community uh, or a healthy, it's not necessarily family, but a healthy um, community or help put together this time of year can be very stressful. It's already stressful with holidays and, Mm -hmm. you know, all these obligations and things you got to go to and people you got to see and everybody's going to ask you. And, you know, in many cases you just want to say no, but, you know, being around people is good, but you can be around a bunch of people and be alone. And like, you get into this like a uh, paralyzed state. Um, you know, I, I reached out to you some last week, uh, Thanksgiving week. Um, we were with Rebecca and her family and she's got two sisters and their husbands and a brother and uh, all of their kids, you know, we had 10 kids there and I was about as lonely as I've ever been. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, well, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to, to have, have you on and talk about this subject too, uh, is that it just, it hits us both, both of us just so close that, um, and even your, your struggles of it being so fresh that, um, I definitely wanted to, to get you on here and, and with what happened with Sherlock exposed, kind of give you a chance to, to step out and, and maybe tell a little bit more about of, of your story of that. So, um, yeah. Um, and, and keep this in mind too. Like I've been on my medication the entire time while I'm there. It's not like I got off my meds. Like I've been, I was on my meds every day. Um, I got all my exercise in before we went down for that week. Uh, so I was able to still maintain my level of discipline in those areas of my life. Um, still able to do all my eating. And so like by and large, I was able to maintain good routines and habits can be very good for people with depression. They can't like get it all going all at once, but if they can get like one little thing going, it can really have a good positive effect, uh, on other things. But, um, I just realized like in that moment, it's not that I don't love Rebecca's family and I don't, they're not great people, which they all are. Um, it's, I don't belong here. Like, I don't feel like I fit in here and I'm alone and I'm overwhelmed. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. And nobody here other than my wife knows that I have depression. Um, and nobody knows the severity of it either. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so no one's going to reach out and ask me. And I just, the context wasn't safe yet for me to have that conversation. I mean, they're all trustworthy people, but there's a, there's a time and a place to let them know about it. And it wasn't in the moment that I was struggling with it. And, uh, right. You know, yeah. to, to amplify it, like, hearing things getting said about me behind my back, um, comments about, you know, I'm not really doing anything or engaging a whole lot and helping as much as I normally would. And they don't know, like I'm, right. I'm doing more yeah. than you think I'm doing. Um, but I can see how they can see things that way. And, 
Um, but there's this, for me, I'm always trying to figure out like, why does somebody act that way? What's, what's really going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and anger is never the primary emotion. Uh, lack of motivation is never the primary thing. Like there's something else going on. Um, and nobody recognized it. Uh, you know, I was able to tell Rebecca about it. Like, Hey, I'm just really struggling, um, tonight and, you know, borderline cry myself to sleep, although we're in a farmhouse and I can't be very loud. So <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. That option's gone. Yeah. Um, you just kind of have, you just feel scared and alone and trapped would be a good word. Like, yeah. I mean, when that hit me, it was Thursday night, Friday, and we were going to be there till Sunday. Like, I'm just, just get me to Sunday. Just get yeah. me to Sunday. Just get me to Sunday. And, um, everything just slows down. It's like, well, don't think about it being Sunday. It's like, it's, it's not, not that simple. It's, I wish it was, um, right, but you yeah. basically need somebody there with you in that, that can just kind of hold on to you. Um, I've said this before. I think I said this in Sherlock exposed. We don't have physical touch as a thing in our culture, other than shaking hands or like the bro pat on the back kind of hug thing. Mm-hmm. And obviously you got to be careful with hugging and holding people, but I, I genuinely believe and there's research to support it that physical touch has an incredibly powerful ability to heal other people um you look at it what it does in babies who um are premature ones that are held um and ones that aren't the ones that are held gain weight way faster than the ones that aren't Mm -hmm. Um, and there's you know different neurotransmitters that are released in your brain uh, when you hold somebody and give them a hug and yeah. uh, put a charm around them. And now we've got COVID. So nobody touches anybody. Even handshakes are gone. Uh, even being physically near somebody is gone. Uh, that's why we walk around in a store. That's why we've seen these mental okay. health statistics, just, hmm? just exponentially skyrocket because we're just, yeah. uh, and I saw one about Japan. Uh, Japan's notorious for high rates of suicide. Um, but uh, their numbers are off the charts right now, too. Um, yeah. And they have more deaths from suicide right now than they have from COVID. Yeah. Like, whoa. Like, yeah. That's, yeah. That's a serious deal. Um, so I, just, I wonder how close we'll get to that in the United States. I, I just, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm really, really against some the these lockdowns and and a lot of these restrictive measures that have been been taken here in the United States. I, I just, and this is kind of it's my podcast, so I'm going to kind of go on off a little a little tangent here. But I, at some point, we've got to stop being afraid of this stupid thing and and live our lives again uh sweden didn't have any lockdowns and and things were back to normal there six months ago i mean yeah so you know well and then you then you have on top of that um now businesses are realizing hey people can work more effectively from home than they can from here at work yeah 
well, for some people, being at work is it's a way of social uh, collecting. I mean, you know, you're in your mid thirties and living in an apartment by yourself. Like you can't tell me that that's a better situation for you than going to work. Even if you don't love everybody in your, you know, every staff member, like being isolated at home, we're back to my thing about, you know, prowling around like a roaring lion, like isolation, 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 isolation. Um, man, we, we isolate people, all sorts of things. And it's not just suicide and depression. It's infidelity. It's fights. It's abuse. It's, um, a lot of mental health issues here in the United States. A lot of it I think has to do with, you know, a work week that's for a lot of people too long. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, Hey, we can, why don't you pay me the same amount of money? I'll work less hours. I'll get more, I'll get the same amount of stuff done in fewer hours and I can have more time to find people to socialize with, et cetera. Um, there's some big changes that need to come. Um, but can hire more people that way too. <laughs> can hire yeah, more yeah, people. Yeah. Uh, work well, and if hours. you look at the actual number productivity numbers, I mean, people are only actually working. I, 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 I've heard statistics like they're, they're only actually working on their assigned tasks, like three and a half hours a day. <laughs> between three and six hours a day out of an eight eight hour work day so you know can yeah can can we can we kind of come to the table here and and just you know and kind of circling back into the work and the holiday things too is that a lot of people are really really busy at work this time of year because it is the end of the calendar year i mean that's yep. my situation at my at my day job kind of you and i have talked a little bit about about it i reached out to you about it like i just kind of feel like i'm just being you know harped on and and i work a type of job where when one email goes out, three emails come back because you've got to CC four, you've got to CC five people on it. And three of those people have an opinion about what's going on and with the situation. And sometimes I'm just like, you know, let me do my work or help me do my work. Don't offer me, you know, and don't offer me this cold opinion over email or, or call what I'm trying to do or, or what I'm trying to work on into question here. And, you know that that's and, another thing. and then if you have anxiety and depression then then that just feeds into that and it just becomes exponential onto that and you know it, it can it can even even if it, even if everything is is good and peaches and cream with your your home life sometimes your work life messes messes with you on that in that regard this time of year yeah um you know, this kind of reminds me of, you know, I'm kind of thinking back to your initial story, um, you know, kind of some of the calls to holiness in, um, in scripture. Um, one of my favorite ones is uh, rejoice with those who re- rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. It's not a, rejoice with the happy people or mourn with the sad people it's the both and 
Um, then during this time of year, obviously, what if people actually paid attention for those who are alone, you know, um, even, even such a, even a simple message in a post about what you're doing with your family. We had a great time together and was so thankful to be able to get together. And, you know, um, I feel really bad for my friends and family who don't have that opportunity or, you know, just even just a slight mention in a post, if you're going to post about it or if you're going to talk about it with other people, the simultaneous and the juxtaposition of happiness and sadness, I think makes for true joy and true happiness, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I can be genuinely happy that Rebecca had a great week with her family and that the rest of her family really enjoyed the time being there while simultaneously being sad that I felt alone and isolated and, you know, some of my depression kind of kicked in. Um, You can be both. It's like, why can't you be happy for me? Well, I, I am but why can't you be sad for me? You know, it just, um, we experience things in a different way and I've been made a little bit differently than you have. Yeah. So you just never know what somebody's going through. Right. Yeah. And you know, I kind of want to bring it, bring it a little back to this. Um, people who may not know what it's like in the mind of a person who, suffers from anxiety and depression there is a uh there's a popular song by a band called the amity affliction i've I've told you a little bit about them before Mm -hmm. um but uh i i i don't listen to i've tried to cut them out of my you know my quote-unquote audio diet here lately but um the they have a song they have a song called uh pittsburgh it was one of their earlier hits and the the chorus of the song the hook of the song describes i think it describes anxiety and and depression to a t um and i'll just read the the lyrics here real quick and and you get your reaction on this and just see if that's if, if you agree here on that and if you want to add anything onto it, but um, it's like there's cancer in my blood. It's like there's water in my lungs and I can't take another step. Please tell me that I'm not undone. It's like there's fire in my skin and I'm drowning from within. I can't take another breath. Please tell me that I'm not undone. Mm. Mm. Gosh, I mean, <laughs> this is where um, it's like there's everything wrong, but there's nothing wrong at the same time, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm reminded of um, we've had a couple of things at our previous church in Birmingham that were really helpful as I was going through counseling and depression, working through all that and uh, working on it in our marriage. Um, but, uh, in particular reading through the Psalms, like 
a lot of psalms don't end in happiness. They end in despair. And this this idea of like uh, being a Christian or any religion, whatever, is like you're just supposed to be happy all the time. It's like that's just not the case. And when you create, you begin to effectively preach like you're just going to be happy by being a Christian. you're, You're creating a false meaning of what it's like to be a Christian. Like Jesus wept. Jesus was sorrowful. Jesus had despair. And um, Jesus said in this life, you will have trouble. Yeah. Um, He made no, he made no qualms about it. He said, you are going to face trials and you are going to face troubles if you follow me because I'm not of the world and the world hates me and they're going to hate you for being my follower. And, you know, we're all sinners and we're going to wound each other. Like even Christians in, you know, Christianity, um, I have, uh, I'll send these to you, John. Uh, you'll have to read the descriptions on them. Um, but while I was down there uh, at the farm over Thanksgiving, um, I was able to kind of draw away one evening when we were at this, it's a wedding venue. That's not really a wedding venue anymore. It's kind of a little fishing camp. It's called Donovan Lakes. Um, and they have this like big farmhouse or big house there and a barn nearby. And the barn was used for, you know, either the wedding or the reception or both. And mm-hmm. these big open fields. I mean, we're, we're an hour and a half south southeast of tuscaloosa like there's nothing there like yeah the way you were describing it i was surprised you you had uh phone signal yeah i I get like the internet i can get some spotty text messages out here and there um sometimes i won't get a text and all of a sudden i'll have like 20 text messages all at once it's like oh signal got through and when your Uh, friend tries voice to text and says something funny when he's trying to say something serious yeah yeah uh and so uh i had a moment i started i took a picture of this barn it was raining that night um and they had these you know stringing lights outside the barn like you would have at a party or an event um and then there was you know the big i'm trying to describe them they're not wooden tables but they're made like tables it's like they used to hold chain or massive things a rope that are they're big and round it's like a giant spool that you could turn into a table you could tip it on its side and it becomes a table so they had a bunch of those but they were all broken and worn down and worn to pieces and photography's um been a way for me to kind of get away uh and kind of express some of that um and so that was kind of a nice little detox and a nice little moment. I took these five images and the title of it is a real American wedding um, of the series of photos that I put together for this. And I have a description under each one. It's incredibly dark, um, Mm -hmm. incredibly, incredibly dark, Uh, but it deals with the realities that are in marriages. You have people that are going to get married and the thing's already doomed from the start. Um, You have fights and you have abuse. You have over 80% of marriages report, um, some sort of emotional abuse and it's not just the female 
men get emotionally abused too. There's yeah. this illusion that it's just females. Females have been far more abused than women have in the history of the world. And that's, uh, I'm going to account for that, especially in like American culture in like the late 1800s, early 1900s, women were seen as property. Like it's just, just the yeah. way it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we've come a long way since then, but we've still got a long way to go. And then, 17% of marriages people report um, only only 17% of people report being satisfied in their marriages being happy well, 17% it's not even one in five like if you look at all the married couples around you that you run into eight out of ten of them are unhappy and, and marriage isn't primary, primarily about your happiness. It's more about your holiness. But um, happiness is a part of that, you know. Becoming more holy gives you a type of joy and satisfaction in life, even when things aren't going well. Um, so, but like, that's the reality. And so I took those photos from that perspective. It was a dark, rainy night, you know, leaves have already fallen off the tree. So they're down on the ground and you've got skeleton like trees in the dark in the background, but there's enough light on them. You can see them and just people tend to shy away from that kind of depression and talking about it, but the Bible never does. It never shies away from, I feel like my bones are wasting away. There's no life left within me. They pursue me hotly for on every angle. Like just go read through the Psalms. You think it's all about happy. Everybody goes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art like they want to spend. Read the Psalm before that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Read, read Psalm 22, which Jesus was reciting on the cross. That was a prophecy of his crucifixion. And tell me Mm -hmm. that, that it's all flowers and rainbows in the book of Psalms. And so when we, when we tell people that they have to be happy all the time and you just, just leave home at home or just leave work at work. It's like, you can't like, it's, it's an impossibility and nor should it be. It should be a all encompassing thing. You know, if we're going to work at work for nine to five and we're only going to be effective for half of those hours, why not have, you know, counseling, having, having a counselor, especially for some of these big companies, why not have it where, people have the option to go to counseling during certain hours of the day, like while they're there at work, Yeah, you know, they're not yeah. there. There's at least an hour. They're not working that day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, give them that time or um, some companies that you see them with Google and things like that. They're providing um, kind of play space, if you will, you yeah. know, ping pong yeah. and things like that, where they can be in a social environment and interact about something other than, their job right and they can build friendships and relationships like there's there's something good about that now you got to be careful you don't do too much of that but there's there's some truth there and there's some effectiveness in that so you know i i have a feeling this is going to be probably one of the hardest if not at least the hardest um holiday season for a large number of people than yeah. we've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. And for those people who live far away from home and they're kind of homebodies and they're homesick, 
mm-hmm. you know yeah they don't they don't go home because of covid they don't go home because of and because they didn't go home for covid and thanks during thanksgiving you know they just lose all these days off and they don't have as much money so they can't go home because they're out of a job or um or if your company has started working if you have started working remote at your company they're less inclined to give you time off if you do travel like well you've got a laptop so you can work while you're out there mm-hmm. yep fuck so, you <laughs> yep yeah. yep no that's uh that's a difficult one man it really is um so I, it's it's not going to be an easy uh time of year for a lot of people um and you know i guess my challenge for those that are listening is if you are one of those people that's struggling this time of year talk to somebody like i I didn't know who else to send a message to i mean i told my wife that evening um but there's there's certain things that she can't do um as a wife she can you know comfort me and console me and you know hey, I'm going to see what I can do to help. And she did. Like, She tried to give me some space and let me do some things like take those photos and not have to worry about the kids and taking care of everybody's kids and things like that. And um, that it didn't fix it, um, but it definitely moved our relationship towards one another. Um, I would say it made me feel less alone. Um, But I don't know how to describe it. Like, it just felt like somebody cared. Yeah. It doesn't mean you yeah. don't feel alone. It just nice to know somebody cared. Um, but there's only so much she can do. And so be able to reach out to, to another male. It's like, I have other male figures that in my life, but not many know what I'm going through. Right. Um, yeah. And so, or, or that I trust enough to tell them that I'm struggling right now. And they're not just going to jump in and try and help. You know, and so I sent you that message. I was just like, hey, man, uh, I'm just really having a hard time right now. Um, I just want you to know that, like, I'm okay. I'm not suicidal or anything like that. But, you know, just. Right. Yeah. It's emotionally just hard right now. And, you know, you kind of wait for things to settle a little bit and then offer some advice and some encouragement. Um, But it never starts starts with well just do this you know sure yeah i think that's the, the thing that that people go well, just do this tip or this it's just not, not that easy yeah yeah that's that's something that really i i think that makes it worse when people just try oh, yeah. And, yeah well just do this don't be like that you know just and like no i i need I need you to understand what I'm feeling first. I need you. Yep. I need you here. I need you here in, in, on a heart level. I don't need, I don't need advice that that may or may not be good advice. I don't need your hot take right now. I, I need you to know that I am in this pain and I, trusted you enough to share this pain with you can you take some of it from me and feel it with me i guess that's what i'm the 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 kind of thing that you know 
the, one of uh, where I'm come where I come from on that. It's just like no, I I I don't I don't want to fix it right now. I just need someone to feel it with me and acknowledge it. Yeah, well, and um, I hope my phone doesn't die. I, I can't go in and grab the. Rebecca's sleeping right now, so I don't can't grab my charger. But um, kind of one of my final thoughts I want to kind of throw out there before my phone kicks a bucket here is um, is really two things. One, sympathy is standing outside of the hole that somebody's in. That's a twenty foot hole, and throwing them a ten foot ladder. Like they ain't getting out of the hole. You know, you just cluttered their hole. Um, empathy is jumping down in the hole with them and just waiting till they're ready to try and get out. Yeah. And um, my second one uh, would be, uh, there's an old, I can't find much information on it anymore. I had a pastor, I think it was back in Birmingham. He was beginning to talk about some old Jewish traditions kind of on this topic um, where when somebody was struggling or mourning from loss or was emotionally having a hard time, there's something called a sit in. And so, mm, yeah. like, let's say I was really struggling with time with family um, or loneliness. Let's say Rebecca's gone for a week for work. With Now that she works for Tesla, like, she could be gone for a weekend as they set up something. I'm just really struggling. After the kids come down, like, you would just come over and we just sit sit still. Yeah. No, no TV, no music. You wouldn't even necessarily ask any questions. You just sit there. Just Just being there without saying any words says all the words. Yeah. Well, I think that's what some cultures do with, um, um, people who've passed away. They just sit with them. They don't even mm -hmm. offer words. They just sit and they just offer their presence. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, that's huge. That's something that we really in the busyness of our culture here in the West, anyway, that, that, that we've lost, um, that you know just the presence of someone and not even worrying about contributing to the conversation or or allowing for for dead air you know it, it's it's just something that's it's kind of a lost it's kind of a lost art form a lost medium um so i guess scott we can uh kind of wrap it up here i know your you said your uh, your phone's dying um would you be willing to do a, a second part of this here? I think uh, I, I think we've established kind of what we go through uh, when we su yeah. suffer with the depression and anxiety, but I'd, I'd like to talk, um, have a talk about just kind of coping skills and how um, how we can get through it. And I'll you know release the two episodes at the same time. That way, you know, people aren't left hanging on that. But uh, yeah, um, I think you know, I th I think we've kind of driven driven home what people go through this time of year and what people who like us who've been diagnosed with anxiety and depression disorders um, go through throughout the year. So, um, yeah. And the thing I don't want people to think is like, if you know somebody who's anxious or depressed, like you don't have to like, they're like, Oh, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I was like, there's no, just, just say hello and just care about them. Just ask questions about them. Like, uh, like, I'm not depressed. I have depression. Right. It's not who yeah. I am. It's something that I have and I live with. Yeah. Um, and that's a massive distinction difference. So, 
All right, Scott. Well, thanks. uh, Yeah, thanks for doing this. This is the M60 podcast. We'll be back with part two on this uh, about coping with depression and anxiety around the holidays uh, next episode. So uh, stick with us. I am John Waltz, your host of the M60 podcast, and we will talk to you next time.